Jeff Ogilvy survives Wingfoot. Now the moment Aaron Badley has waited. Curry Webb is the five-time Australian Open champion. And it's set by one of the best in golf, Peter Thompson. Stand in front of a crowd like this today and win the PGA Championship is pretty special. He's done it at last. Greg Norman. Gets his name on the Stonehaven Cup. Leash been to 11 under. Now we've got a new leader, kids. Here it is! Adam Scott. A life changer. Coming up next, you have unrestricted access to golf across Australia and the world. Thanks to Golf Australia, we're going inside the ropes. Subscribe now on iTunes or your favourite podcast app or head to golf.org.au. So the coast is clear. Matt Jones has been here before a thousand times around this golf course. He's been here before with a putt to win the Australian Open. He was good enough then. Is he good enough now? Four and a half to five feet. Not much in it. Jones for his second Australian Open. Over the putt now. Ball on the way. And it is. It catches the left edge and drops in. So Matt Jones breathes a massive sigh of relief, holds the ball aloft, calf off, shakes the hands of his playing partners, will be greeted by his family in a second, but he's had to withstand some enormous pressure up 18, and he wins his second Australian Open. And there it is, through the eyes of Andy Marr, the way Matt Jones became the 2019 Australian Open champion here at the Australian Golf Club, welcomed inside the ropes, a very special edition, the fourth and final this week from the Australian, the 21st time this magnificent club has hosted the National Championship. Joined by Mike Clayton to wrap it all up. Mike, congrats. well well done for you on AO Radio, well done caddying, and here you are again for your final yep, job. Final job of called, the Australian Open. Called Louis Eagle before it happened. Taking credit for that. <laughs> well, shouldn't take that much credit because the way... Louis plays golf. You see, you can just see him going flush, flush, putt. Yeah, true. Yeah, he, he was, and he did brilliant. It was we'll he's such a great player to watch. It's amazing to watch him play golf. You, I mean, there haven't been many who have played golf as beautifully as him over the over the years. We'll uh, we'll get we'll get back to the nuts and bolts of this in a second when we run down the leaderboard. But you're right, Matt Jones has beaten Louis Eusthuizen by a shot to win his second Stonehaven Cup. Uh, all the other details of a magnificent day here in, in Sydney. In a second, but first, I probably should introduce also a special guest. Uh, his first time as a lot, he's been a contributor before from the United States, but his first time in the studio with us. The man who nearly cost Matthew Jones his second Stonehaven Cup. No man is closer to controversy in this entire state than Ben Everill. His home state, welcome along. Yeah, thanks, Hazy. Stitch up, of course, but no, no, mate. This I am going to smash you here. I, you just, you just dodge bullets in the press conference with Matty Jones. He could have really given it to you. He didn't on the record, but this is the, as we know, this is the podcast of record in Australian mm-hmm, golf. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to get to the bottom of it with you right here. Okay, mate. Matty Jones, as Clayt said, stood on the 17th green, hit a birdie putt in immediately extended his lead to three shots. He'd been oscillating between two and three with Oosthuizen most of the afternoon here at the Australian. He makes his birdie putt. Clates calls Oosthuizen about to have an eagle. He reckon he tipped it a long way back. They walk. Jones walks to the 18th tee. 
Oosthuizen makes his eagle putt, as Clayton says, two clunking shots to the back of the green. And what, Clayton's a 20-footer? Yep. No, well, not clunking. Flush. Ripping. Can't say clunk. Clunk's a clunk. Uh, okay. I meant flush. it in, I meant it in a good way. Flush. Flush. Flush to drive in a great hybrid. I meant he, I meant he nutted. The two best I'm, shots. Clearly, hitting, I missed that the, part. The two best shots hit into that green that I saw yes, today. Yes, clearly. Clearly. Yeah. Uh, unbeknownst to Ben Everill, who was walking between the 17th green and the 18th fairway at the time, Louis Eustazen bombs in the putt for an eagle. And suddenly, Matt Jones's lead has, has shrunk from three to one in three magnificent shots from the South African. Matty Jones stands on that 18th tee thinking he's got a three-shot lead, confirms with our man. Uh, hang on, hang on. He thinks he's, he might have a two-shot lead. He might have a three-shot lead. He's unsure. Leans over to his colleague from the PGA Tour in the United <laughs> States, Ben Everyone goes, Benny, Benny, how am I placed? What's happening? And what did you say to him? Look, look, Hazy. The way this went down is a little different to what you're setting up. But I called the big putt on the 17th of Jones, and I guess I was a little bit excited, okay? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I hadn't listened to what was happening with Louis up there, <laughs> all right? Yes. Now, Louis hadn't even putted yet, by the way. He was just up there on the green, and I just assumed it was probably for a birdie because he looked pretty close. I didn't think even Louis was going to flush it that well. So after Jones, he hit his drive, and it went left into the bunker. We're walking so off the tee. kind of sniped it, right? It yeah, he sniped one. Hook. He yeah. sniped one off the left. And he was al he'd already made the eagle putt by so the... So that's no, kind of... No, 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 no. tell no. you he had. No, no, no. No, because this is how it went down. Let me tell you. <laughs> Let me tell you. This is how it went down. And this is where I did make a mistake. I didn't know what Lou was doing on the green. He'd already hit that drive. We're just walking off the tee, and he turns around and says to me, what's Louie doing? Yeah. And I said, oh, don't worry about it. No chance he makes eagle. No... <laughs> No idea that he had, what, 12 feet? 20 feet. 15, or 20, 15, 15 feet 18, for Eagle 18. up there. Idiot remark by me, of course. But <laughs> in my defence, you know, I just was trying to pump his tyres and say, Jonesy, you got this, nothing to worry about. So he walks off thinking, well, Eagle's out of the equation. Now, not knowing that... At, so now in his mind, at worst, at, at worst six he to win. six. Yes, at worst. So anyway, he's about 20 metres in front of me walking down towards his ball. And there's a huge roar from the 18th green. As you know now, know, now know that was for an eagle. He turned to me because of the roar, thinking, what? And what I thought he said to me from a distance was, what do I need to make? But what he asked me was, what did Louis make? So when I put up five fingers, he thought Louis made a par, a big par putt, instead of the eagle he made. Now he thought he just needed a double bogey to get home. So he thought you were telling him what, what Louis made. What Louis made, he thought, and I thought I thought was telling him. Yes, and I thought and I was telling him what he needed to make, what Jonesy <laughs> needed to make. So Matt Jones walked towards oh. his second shot, thinking he had seven shots yes. to win the Australian Open. And he, of course, I didn't know that this is what he thought at no, the time. No, no, I understand yeah. that. So, I do you think that. he would have played a different second shot if he? I think not. No, not necessarily. I think that the second shot, he was trying to do what he was trying to do, which was just potted out. And it honestly, it, it clipped the smallest part of a branch and. Bounced down into the wood chips, which was just really unlucky. But from that point, that's when I realised we had a disconnect and I couldn't get to him in time because he was talking to his caddy about, I don't need to get to the green, I don't need to worry about anything. And we found out here he was actually trying to get to the greenside bunker, thinking that he could take four shots from there. Okay, so he only realised he had to get up and down when he got to the green. When he was on his way to the green, he turned, he could see the scoreboard in the distance and what he thought was 14 under <laughs> for Louis Oosthuizen. And then he turned on a swivel quicker than I've ever seen. <laughs> And I was still 20 metres behind, and he 
gestured to me like, what's what going hell? on? Mm. And I was confused, as you can imagine, because I thought he knew what was going on. So I ran my butt, sprinted down the 18th, <laughs> wondering, am I going to be on television in a minute, running up to Matt Jones <laughs> to explain that I'm a moron and that I've accidentally <laughs> said the wrong thing? And that's when we realised the disconnect. Only you could do this. This, so, is, this. I know. It's unreal. So from there... By the way, you made it exciting. It was good. Yeah. It was great theatre. Well done. You actually made it interesting. <laughs> so then I say to him, no, you need to get up and down. You need the five. He looks at me and lo- I didn't exactly hear what he said, but it wasn't extremely complimentary in that, <laughs> in that moment. And so I thought I should probably take my leave, but I just said one last thing. I said, Jonesy, you got this. You do it all the time. You're doing it all week. Uh, you know, go get it. And then, honestly, I just thought I better run to Melbourne right now before my <laughs> flight tonight for the President's <laughs> Cup because you know, oh, clearly he was going to at least get in a playoff, you know, from where he was, yes. I would have thought. But, yes. you know, I, I was feeling pretty, pretty ordinary, I can tell you. And I went straight to the side and Gary Bart was there, his family, and he looks at me and goes, what's going on? I didn't have the heart to tell him that there was a miscommunication. It had nothing to do with nerves or anything like that. It was just... Uh, he thought he had more shots up you, his sleeve. If you ever want to get to the bottom of stories in Australian golf, <laughs> you know you have to come to Inside the Ropes. We, uh, this is this is an amazing uh, arrangement here. Let, let's get to the chase here. Matty Jones, he's third, or he's second from the bunker, clipped the tree, went into the bark. He effectively lays up for three in front of the green. Clates, he then has to play, now fully aware of the situation, he has to play a 30-metre pitch over well, the sand. We were talking about here saying, when are you seeing the third shot? Just make six. Mm. Don't make seven and blow yourself out of the sink. It was, we obviously knew more than you knew at the point, at the, the, and he knew. But at that point, it was don't hit this thing in the water and make seven and blow the whole lot. So he actually had a really good third shot. He actually had a smart third shot to where he should have hit it anyway. Indeed. Because it he... wasn't that hard. Well, any 40 out up and down under pressure is a tough up and down. And for the second time, and... and Absolutely different putts, I get that. But for the second time, he's faced with a short putt to win the Australian Open. And for the second time, in, once in 2015 and once in 2019, it snuck in on the side, the so left side. what are the two stats from six feet? Is it kind of 60% maybe? Yeah, it's probably. So it's a six in ten putt he makes that? Hmm. But when you add the pressure and everything else, yeah. it probably goes down to five yeah. or four out of ten. And yeah. And you know, it's a 50, I mean, it's a fifty-fifty part from there. And to be fair, so far this season, and I know that sounds weird, but he's played seven times this season on the PGA Tour. His putting has not been his strength. Last year it was pretty good, but this season over there he's been struggling with the putter. So again, I'm sitting in the corner, hoping, Brain. hoping that he just drills <laughs> that thing in because, yeah, I didn't want to have have him having an excuse. Oh, I had a bit of a cheeky question of him in the press conference that was just done, the Champions press conference in the media centre here at the Australian. I did ask him, is there any danger of you hitting one in the middle to win the Australian <laughs> Open? And he just giggled, which he took it in the spirit in which it so was So he intended. plays every year, doesn't he? Has he turned up every year the to play on, the Open? The only time he hasn't turned up to play is when he's been in a battle to keep his card or card, have status yeah. for the rest of the PGA Tour season and the Australian Open is conflicted with like the one in Sea Island. Yeah, RSM was a few years ago. He really wanted to be at the Australian Open. Yeah. I remember that one and he was like, I can't give up a start. And uh, yeah. that's the last time I remember him not being. So and, he's, and he's now, we're assuming he's playing next year at Kingston Heath? I'd be staggered if he weren't right. playing and Good. he's already in 55th position on the FedEx Cup. Yeah. So he's in a position now where he can not pick and choose, but he can sort of place a path for himself to get through towards the Tour Champions. One top five and he's locked up. Yeah. A couple of top tens and you know he's in, he's in the top 125 and 
And if, that, and if that's the case, Clades, he's immoral to be back to defend his championship. What's amazing about the tour is how many guys who are good players who just you look at the main list, like, how's he not in the top 125? Well, this year... And it can come and go like that. I mean, it's just, you know, your career's over in a year or two. You're like, what happened to him? Well, you know, he finished 120, 135 and he only got 20 starts and he was 158. Then he was on the Corn Ferry Tour. And his wife was bitching about no money coming in. He gave up. You yeah. know, whatever. You know, it's just... Comes and goes really quickly on that that thing. And by the way, Matt Jones was the poster child for the 125 bubble for a lot of years, way mm. back when. He finished 126, 127, 128 in three different uh, yeah, oh, FedEx wow. Cup seasons and was able to, uh, with limited status, they call it, you know, the, yeah. the secondary status, was able to actually regain it the following year. So he's been used to being under that sort of pressure before. Those were the years, as I said, that he might not have come for a, an Australian Open here or there, and I won't blame him for that at any no. stage. No, so, not at all. Yeah. So why doesn't he do better? I mean, he does well. He's a good player. He's made a truckload of money. He's a really good player. One, two Australian Opens. Why doesn't he, why isn't he a regular top 50 player on the tour in America? If I'll give you a, a, maybe a one from left field. I think because he's a fast player. And honestly, he encounters so much, much slower play in the US, and Actually, it sometimes does his head in. Yeah. I've seen him like potentially lose tournaments when he's been in the mix and he just cannot handle the the lack of rhythm to his final it, round. He's great to watch play. He just walks oh, yeah. up and hits it. Yeah. I mean, the, the pace of play around the world is so pathetic now. The tours won't. They keep mouthing platitudes about doing something about it, but in fact, they never do. And if you if you play as quickly as he does, you can see how frustrating it must can be. Can you imagine him mentally playing like when he sees a draw sheet and he's paired with JB Holmes? <laughs> Mate, headless. Headless, he would he, internally. He always says to me, "I said, does that bother you?" And he goes, "No, nah, it doesn't. I, I just switch off." But you, it's one thing to switch off for you know play a club round within two and a half, three three hours maybe, but to switch off on and off and on and off playing a six hour round with JB Holmes. Geez. There's one way to stop slow play. The tour won't do it. Frank Williams did it at the Australian Masters two years ago. He put Noel Rutcliffe, Peter Fowler, and Vaughan Summers, who are the three slowest players on the tour. He put them together in the last group on Thursday. And on Friday, he, they were the last group, obviously, of the morning wave. And he had a starter's time behind him. Mm. So instead of the normal 10 minutes, he had 20 minutes until he took the next group off. And of course, they were headless about it. But if you put the slow players off last every week, you know, everyone knows who they are. Yeah. You guys go off last every week. JB Holmes, you're off last. Until you start playing quicker, you're off last. And people are, you know, so you can play as slow as you like then. You can take seven hours. No one cares. The only people who cares are the scorers and the journalists. But they won't do that. So, you know, the players game the system day in and day out, right? You're there every, you're there every week. Yeah, look, what I can say, uh, and I'm treading lightly here because <laughs> what I know and don't know, but I expect the tour to come out with a change to the pace of play policy actually in the new year. Is that right? Um, I don't know exactly what that is. I just know that they've been talking about it and the hope was that it would be before uh, the Century Tournament of Champions. I don't know how extensive that may or may not be yet. Um, but I do know that it's definitely been discussions over the last couple of months. Does it stand to actually penalise players, or are the players just got too much power to, for ev that to ever happen? There's enough player power for that to happen. Uh, it's just a matter of everybody being happy. You know, it's a player-run tour, as you know, and, mm -hmm. and, and driven, but uh, the fact that they're now sort of maybe getting some numbers correlating uh, that, you know, it may or may not upset spectators and fans and that sort of thing, when there's a pace of play, they might be ready to at least... Uh, be seen to doing, be doing something. Well, I love Matty Jones for his pace of play among a whole range of things. Is he the, I think he's a great player. Is he the fastest player out there? Yeah. No one could play faster than him. 100%. Like, and yeah. I think, you know, what worked in his favour today too, when we had uh, uh, Cameron Tringali 
have to go back to the tee, it actually opened up a gap for the rest of the day where they never had to really wait until late, and he just loved that. He was walking up, bang, play walking up, that. bang. He could play his rhythm yeah. without stopping much, and that just Good played point. right into his hands to, to close this out. That's a great point. So just, just touching base here, uh, on a statistical note before I talk about him personally, Matty Jones has now, in his most recent nine starts in the Australian Open, he's been in the top ten six times, including two wins and a runner-up finish, Clay. So that's, that's, an Im- that's an imposing record. Pretty impressive. Well, he's playing at home too. Yeah, home was, game mostly. Yeah, it's came down true. to Melbourne. See how he goes in Melbourne on the. <laughs> oh, he, he'll be fine. Like he's, he'll be he's yeah. a terrific player. And he'll on a per, and a personal note for me, I don't have to call Matty Jones in the United States with my role uh, very often. He hasn't been in a winner's circle, you know, too much in his time over there. I think that's fair to say. He wouldn't be offended by that. Every time I call him, he answers back. He gives me honest answers. He's uh, he's a really personable bloke. He tells it to you like it is, good or bad. I, I have gone to interview him every time at the Australian since I've uh, had the opportunity to cover an Australian Open as a potential winner. And I went and interviewed him this week for the same thing. We're about the fourth or fifth time in succession here at the Australian Golf Club, Clates. And he just downplayed it, downplayed it, downplayed it. All week he was just downplaying things, and here he is. Another Stonehaven Cup. Yep. <laughs> now, what's the deal about... He walks on the tee and says... I'm playing so bad, guys. I'll just stay out of your road and don't worry about me. And yeah, like is he, that a weekly occurrence or a monthly occurrence? Or he, he definitely downplays himself and his ability mm, all the time. Um, I think I was telling you, Hazy, that before he came here and won in 15, it was right. Yep. I was speaking yeah. to him during the fall series about you know coming back and whatever else in my job over there, and he said, "Oh yeah." I said, "Oh, good one for you. You're going home." He said, "Oh, I'll never win there." I said, "What?" <laughs> and he goes, "Oh, they've changed it so much, you know, like that." 20 years out the window mm. and so I was running with that and then he comes here and wins it mm. I was talk- reminding him about it this week and he had a laugh and then spoke to his coach Gary Barter and Gary said yeah but he's had that much experience of the winds you could change every yeah. hole here that's exactly the wind the point. is the key exactly the point you know. it doesn't matter what the course is exactly you can have the old course here like the old old course that I carried on in 975 mm. if you understand the wind in Sydney you're fine doesn't matter what's on the ground you understand the wind you're fine yeah and he's clearly he understands the wind because he's played here forever yeah. so you know we played the Yesterday, the third hole, end of the wind. Turn this around, is, go the opposite direction, the fourth hole's end of the wind. This is you cutting for Elvis Crowley. Yeah, and the wind was all... I mean, it wasn't that strong yesterday. It wasn't that strong today, but it was all over the place. So every shot, you, you're not guessing because you can see the trees and you can... But it swirls around so much here. It's weird, but it's... You know, so he would be used to that. Absolutely. There's a massive advantage on this course to understand the wind. Agreed. So let's quickly run down the leaderboard here. You probably should have done this about 20 minutes ago, but yeah. nev- nevertheless, Matt Jones, uh, as we said, the Australian Open champion at 15 under the card for four magnificent rounds. Louis Eusthuizen from South Africa, the former Open champion, charged home. Uh, he was five under the card today, and including that magnificent eagle on the 18th hole uh, to get up to 14 under the, the mystery eagle in the Ben Everill eyes. Round of the day, actually. Yeah, well, equal, equal of, yeah. to the round of the day, yeah. Uh, t- tied for third were Aaron Pike, a big burly Queenslander, originally from the Northern Territory. Uh, struggled early today to just find a bit of rhythm, or probably mid-round, actually. He started okay, went a bit cold mid-round and, and really roared home. Uh, a couple of late birdies, finished two under for his round, nine under for the tournament, and that's really important. He tied third with Takumi Kanaya, who finished low amateur. Um, just, just an amazing talent. Spoke in English to the big crowd at the uh, presentation out on the 18th green. Told 
Aussie fans, I love you. And it was just a special moment. Everyone roared their appreciation and approval of his, not only his golfing talent, but just how personable he is. Fantastic, Takumi. We love you too. Uh, those two guys, Aaron Pike and Takumi Kanaya, alongside Matt Jones, Clates, they're off to Royal St. George's in uh, the Open Championship. Is it June or July next year? July. Early July uh, before the Olympics. Is, yeah. Uh, they're off to Royal St. George's in England to play at the Open Championship. Um, that's, it's a huge reward. It is. The best finish ever for a qualifier from the Australian Open is 27th in the Australian Open. Since the Open Qualifying Series, is that yeah. right? So Who was that? Aaron Badley. Oh, wow. So we need to do better. We must have had this OQS thing now for, what, six, seven years? Yeah. And the other thing, the other, when it was a 36-hole deal at Kingston Heath, that was... That was a it was a very um, poor way of picking three guys to play in the open. I thought this is a better way, but it's just a long it's just a long time, and that's it's a long time. It's a, time. Time. It's a big and, league time, and if the R and A are going to continue with it, some of these some of the guys who qualified would be great if they'd play better than the best finish of T twenty seven. That's true. Well, I used to getting slightly off topic here but linking my dad in particular used to bemoan the fact that the athletics teams for the Olympics for Australia and Commonwealth Games were picked six months out whereas all the leading Americans and European athletes were all getting picked from Diamond League or the equivalent events you know on two weeks beforehand so you know you get the best players in the best form so let's switch track speaking of the Olympics you've got your foot on the pedal Mm -hmm. who's playing and who's not playing Uh, well well, who's putting the hand up and who's not putting the hand up I don't think anyone. Tokyo next year. I don't think anyone, short of maybe Adam Scott, will say no okay. for Tokyo if they're offered the, the opportunity. Uh, there are no excuses ready made this time around, whether Which it be a, yeah. whether it be Zika for babies that are going to be born or uh, security concerns that uh, certain people may have had at certain times. Uh, Adam Scott uh, has softened a bit on his stance, but is no way certain to say yes. I actually like his stance. I don't. Necessarily, I'm not sure if I agree with it or not. I used to agree with it, but I swallowed the Kool-Aid when I was there like, catting for Sue last year. So, well, not last year in, in Rio, but I kind of like his principles down that I don't think golf should be there. Yeah. The other guys were pathetic. I mean, Zika, I mean, there was Zika in Dallas when I, there were signs about Zika in Dallas on the Look. side of the road in 2016. So <laughs> they made some miserable excuses not to be there last time. Well, to be fair, one of those people was Mark Leishman, whose wife had gone through what she'd gone yeah. through. And yeah. their yeah, doctor that's said, that's their doctor said, you should not go yeah, because fair. anything you bring back yeah, could, could yeah, you know, effectively point. kill her. Yeah. Um, yeah. And others were trying to have babies. That's all I'll say. Interestingly, <laughs> interestingly, Benny in the in the main champions press conference asked Matty Jones about his thoughts, and he said it was the biggest regret in his life, one hundred of yeah. his sporting life, that he turned down the chance to play in Rio. Did he turn? He, he didn't go. No, he didn't go. He had the chance. He, t- he said he had the chance. I'm, I can't remember the numbers offhand. Wow. Yeah. By he, the way, Jason Day said the exact same thing after the event. And both of those people, the the uh, decision was majority not theirs. It was from the family. Right. Understand? And I'm just I'm just re- regurgitating the information from the press conference. He said it's the biggest regret of his sporting life. And if he's given half a chance, if he plays well enough to put himself in a position to challenge the current big four in Australian golf and push towards Olympic selection next July, he said he's going to even alter his schedule to try and do it. So it was because for all the things that are bad about the Olympics, all the cheating and all the corruption and all the bureaucracy that we all hate, it's actually a really cool event to just go to and be a part of. Yeah. 
I was a skeptic, Clates, I'll admit it, before Rio when you when you went over and Caddy for Sue and Minji and obviously Marcus Fraser and Scott Hen were there. Um, I was the convert immediately that Fraser hit a 63 in the first round and I could see a medal flashing mm. up before my eyes. What was amazing was that people, it was a, the crowds were great. You know, golf wasn't this sort of thing off for the side that no one bothered about. It was mm. the crowds were brilliant. That, shame that golf course is now a landfill or something. No, yeah. it's fine. The golf course is fine. Is it? Yeah, I follow them on Instagram. The golf course is one of the few things that has survived. Yeah, yeah. sad though for the rest of the uh, facilities in Rio. Yeah. Let's uh, we'll, we'll park the Olympic discussion for another day. Let's continue to run down the leaderboard. Steve Allen tied for 16th. Greg Chalmers is the big one for me. Greg Chalmers, who hasn't played for a year. I no, thought he, he played. He played here a year ago and, and at the PGA, since. and he hadn't played uh, since. And he was actually, it was the first time he was sort of playing in 18 months, really, if you go, mm. apart from those two, since he played in June on the tour a year and a half ago with that uh, the back the back arthritis, arthritis in his back. So you know who the... Of course, the story there is, I hadn't really thought about it until I realised he hadn't played for years, the coach of the, coach of the moment, Brad Hughes. <laughs> Hughes who, another Hughes disciple. Well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Hughes, so is, let's, Hughes is turning into the career saviour. So Greg Chalmers uh, came home with the 67 today to tie Paul Casey, who had a 72. Uh, Denzel Iremia, I finally got it right after four days, uh, and Cameron Tringali and... Kevin, or to his parents, Chunan Yu from uh, Taiwan, all at eight under the card. Cameron Tringale, great stat that you provided out during the AO Radio uh, conversation today, Benny, about his, well, ongoing success, but lack of ultimate success. Yeah, Cameron Tringale, we've just closed a decade uh, on the PGA Tour, if you go by calendar year, and in that time, he's had the most starts. I don't have the exact number in front of me, but the to most like starts. 275 or something, well, yeah, I saw that. Without day, a yeah. win. Wow. Um, of all the guys in that decade here that didn't win, he had the most starts of them all. So it's amazing. You know, he's done pretty well for himself, though. He's had a few seasons where he's a, where he struggled a bit, and he reinvented himself recently with speed. Had the biggest jump in clubhead speed from one season to the next ever wow. in the PGA Tour, up 8.9 miles an hour or something wow. from season to season. Which is what is it? Four yards every mile. Per yeah, it was hour? like almost 20 yards. So eight slide. Yeah. It's yeah. As you said yesterday, 30, 30 yards. it's yeah. impossible now to swing too hard. Too, too fast. Fast, yeah. I should say, yeah. Yeah, he just rips you it You swing too fast. No, you don't. Um, and now another prediction, Clates, that you got right, you, seeing you're, you've become a bit of a Nostradamus of golf lately. <laughs> Last night we were sitting here and you told me that Jamie Arnold would probably go very well on Sunday, but he'd struggle to back up anything remotely like a 64. And today he did exactly that. Shot a 72. Made two birdies, yeah. Um, so a great finish for Jamie Arnold, top yeah, 10 in the national yep. championship. But he, he finished, uh, as I said, tied 10th at seven under, alongside Mark Leishman, among others. But Leish was building, building, building today, and it all came apart with a drive that went into the bunker halfway up the right side of the ninth. From there, he made a disastrous six. He never regained momentum. I, I, I sort of thought he was the one who could throw down the challenge. Benny? Sorry to bring it up, my man up again, but it reminded me of Jason Day two years ago on yeah, that final day. Same hole, yep. same issue, same bunker. He thinned his of that bunker and it ricocheted off into the water and that was, the, that was his death. Yeah. So the big names have come, you know, come unstuck there the last couple Billy of times. Billy Dunk, Dunks Hill. Dunks Hill. Oh, Dunks and Hill. Rory came unstuck on that hill as yeah. well it's um, been a, it's four been a years ago. Slayer of dreams, that hole. Well put. It was uh, better when it was the 18th, I thought. Remember before they flipped the nines here, that was the 18th hole. Was a Leash has always has been a, a clear, well, not a clear winner, but a winner in the press room as well. 
get yeah. some good things to say this week as always. Absolutely. Now the other person to finish in the top ten tied with Arnold and Leishman is my man, Dean Lawson from my home club, Kerr Lewis, on the Ballerine Peninsula, the beautiful Ballerine Peninsula, Ben Everall. You need to get down there and have a look at it. Dean, a best, fantastic round today. We're gonna to say the not the best short par four in Australia, has he, but one of we need to say that Kerr Lewis. <laughs> Dean's an interesting case study because, uh, you know, he's got the game. He's proved it here. He's shot 65 in the second round and he shot 66 in the fourth round. He needs to, like any good professional, make his lesser rounds less damaging. So he had a 74 in the third round and he started with a 72. If he can make them both 70s, he's right in the mix. Um, making making ground, but we'll, we'll need to do it. And who else has caught your eye, Benny? Mate, if I am, to be honest, it's a guy that not many people know here, Smiley Kaufman. Yeah. He made the cut for a start. Yeah. He's made two cuts in his last 29 he tour He was the low Smiley this week by a shot, yeah. wasn't he? <laughs> and, and he shot a million over on the first day. So, like, he was not, you know, that's being a bit unfair, but no, I actually wrote about him after the first day because, you know, yeah. he was still searching for his game out here halfway across the world. As I said, had missed... 27 of 29 cuts on the tour recently, and uh, he's finished, you know, quite decent in his T27 there. I think he'll take a lot of confidence from that, and he's going to the, what is it, Indonesian Masters next week? Yeah, I think and he's then playing the in PGA of Australia. Indonesia, uh, the then back to PGA the Gold Coast to play so, Australian PGA. So that's what Golf Australia should do. Before he leaves the shores, or Smiley, come and play next year. Do you think that hasn't happened already? Well, I hope it has. Yeah, well, me too. He's a good bloke, you right? Know, and, you know, he copped a lot. Uh, he was obviously, he won very early, fifth start on the PGA Tour, yeah. he won. And then he was part of the, the Spieth, uh, Thomas crew going on spring break, was 54 hole, won back in the next, his first Masters. Uh, and then as we all do, the game went and he just got obliterated social media yeah. wise and it just took him into a dark hole. Yep. And now it's turned. Now the people out there in the Twitter sphere and everything else actually have this grand swell of support for him and he's finally sort of feeling that. And so this result... And the way our fans were for him, by the way, which he said, without doubt, was some of the best he's, he's encountered. He's feeling great going ahead so from this. So what's his status on the tour? Uh, past champion only. So as in, why isn't he coming back for the Vic Open, has he? Yeah, get him down for the Vic Open. Well, maybe he will. It's possible. I mean, yeah. he'll obviously be trying to get as many starts as he can on the PGA Tour with his past champion status. Mm-hmm. That means he'll play at least all of the uh, opposite field events. He'll play in places like uh, the desert when we have the, the American Express as it's now called there, where Phil Mickelson hosts. Uh, Don't places. Use sponsor names for us. Yeah, mate. sorry, mate. It's just, you know, ingrained in the Bob Hope. Bob Hope classic. classic. The old Bob, Bob Hope, Hope classic. classic. So he'll play in things like that, uh, you know, and he'll, he'll need to make the most of those to, to try to get his card back. All right, so I'm going to quickly rip down the leaderboard here for a second. Ted Leonard. Yeah, well, let, an old bloke. Let's, 20, let's go. What do you do, Clates? Two under, tied for 27th. That's a good effort. Richard Green. Tied for 13th, a great, a great result for someone who, again, with limited status in different parts of the world at the moment. Jason Scrivener didn't yeah. have the weekend he's that he good. wanted, but he's, he's been, really he's good play, player. He's been playing well the last couple of months. Yeah. KJ Choi beat half of his international team. That's very true. It's KJ's a vice-captain next yeah. week. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Assistant captain. Mav Ancliffe roared home with a 67 today to finish three under and tied 21st. Dimi Papadatos couldn't recover after his uh, sort of travails of Saturday and finished at four under the card in a tie for 16th. I'll go through the amateurs in a minute. Uh, but as you say, Clates, Peter Lonard finished well. Uh, the defending champion, Abraham Anser, couldn't really muster much of a challenge on the weekend after fighting his way back into contention on, in round two. Shot a one over the 
the card 72 today to finish one under. Cameron Smith, another international team player next week at the President's Cup. Similarly, a 72 today to finish two under in total. Didn't really become a factor at any stage during the weekend, unfortunately. Uh, we should perhaps check. I'm just rolling down and seeing any other bigger names that I've missed, but we need to check Clates. Uh, well, firstly, we need our Smiley, our Elvis Smiley update. Elvis was three over after four in the water at the, and shot 71. Made three, four birdies in a bogey from there. So for a 17-year-old kid, that's pretty good. Right? That's absolutely fantastic. First but, time in the Open. Yeah. Type of 33rd. And there were... So let's run through the seven amateurs here. We've already mentioned Takumi Kanai was the low amateur. Uh, he finished at nine under. In front of Kevin Yu of Taiwan finished at eight under. There were some really impressive performances. Lucas Michel finished tied 21st. Hayden Hopewell finished tied 27th, which is a fantastic effort for a young man from Western Australia. Alvis Smiley, as mentioned, tied 33rd. The future is looking really bright with those two in particular. Uh, scrolling down the leaderboard, Louis Dobler had a weekend he'd probably rather forget, but did really well to play four rounds here in a learning experience. Tied 66th. And Jack Trent, Benny, had a bit of an issue today. Unfortunately, played really, really well for 54 holes. In fact, maybe even a little longer, but it all came unglued today. Wow, yeah, look at that. An 84 today. And oh, Start well, off. He, he's a terrific kid. Oh, I yeah. had a lot to do, a do with him in Vegas recently when he played there in the PGA Tour and, and contended through the first three rounds heavily before just fading a little as, as you know, the big names sort of went hard at it on the last mm -hmm. day. Uh, to do to make a cut and then I think he was top 30, wasn't he? Yeah, he was he over there. So top 30. That was really impressive him over there. And that what I saw there was enough to think that, regardless of this, what happened today and the wins and whatever he faced today, he's got a future. No doubt about that, uh, Clates. I'm going to wrap up the Australian All Abilities Championship presented by ISPS Hander in a second. Do you want to say anything more about the Australian Open field? No, no, it was no good. Worries. It was good. I think it's it'll be interesting to go to Melbourne next year. Yep. I think that'll be a good thing. I think we've been in Sydney for since 2005. So it's a long time to be in one city for, for a tournament that might be too controversially, but I think it should go around the country more than it has. And yeah. I, we understand the economics and that governments support big events and they like to have them in one place, but it's important for the National Open to go around the country. Don't be surprised if next year you get more PGA Tour stars if all scheduling works out, wanting to come and play. The, the Melbourne Sandbelt has been doing the rounds and the players will see it again this week on the President's Cup in prime time back in the US. Kingston Heath has been given, you know, a huge run back there amongst the, if one of, for want of a better term, the golf nerds that play on the tour. Yeah, Zach, Bla Zach Blair's playing, I think. Yeah, they're already, already they're already talking it up as, as something to come to. Well, that's encouraging news. And Stephen Pitt uh, in his press conference, the Chief Executive of Golf Australia before the tournament, uh, did say that in an ideal world, he's, he was wrapped with Destination New South Wales and the support from the New South Wales government over a long period of time, and he reiterated that. But he also said in an ideal world, we would strike an arrangement whereby it could rotate uh, as often as possible yep. around the country. So at least in theory, Clates, your wishes will be uh, yeah, at least heard. Yeah, I think it's a, important that... Agreed. People in Perth see the Australian Open every Absolutely. now and then. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and there's, there's no shortage of great courses in WA, for example. So, um, Well, Carinup's a great venue. Yep. It's a perfect venue for... Yeah. It is. Let's run through the Australian All Abilities Championship presented by ISPS Hander. A barnstorming finish today by Johan Kammerstad from Sweden, the defending champion, to be honest. 
He shot a nine on the par 5 14th yesterday during his second round. It's only a three-round tournament, Benny. Shot a nine out there on a hole that he'd probably gobble up like most of the pros in this field and probably thought it was all over. Backed it up with a seven today on the ninth, the previously mentioned ninth hole that's gobbled so many of the open field up and again thought he was cooked. Roared home. Roared home, the big Swede, and he finished in a tie with Curtis Barkley. Uh, he came from nowhere, but today, Kamerstad and Barkley went back. They played the 18th hole in the playoff, immediately behind the Matt Jones group. There was a huge gallery out there, Benny, as you saw. They had uh, exposure that we could only dream of in, as we pushed this all in, this inclusive championship to new levels. You must have been pretty taken by it, I'd imagine. Your first look at it. Yeah, mate, absolutely. It is so incredible what these players are able to do and, and to do it on, you know, the Australian Open setup. <laughs> it was phenomenal. And, yeah, I was so happy to see it finish that way with the crowd all there, all off the back of that drama that we'd had with Matt Jones yeah. too. So then they were. it was announced to everybody. They all knew what was going on. Yeah. And to see those guys hit pretty good shots into the into the 18th and have those putts to potentially take out the championship, it, it was nerve-wracking for them and it was great. Then the crowd were really good, even though it ended uh, with a missed putt rather than a made putt. Uh, they, they, you know, all embraced and, and it was yeah. just so brilliant to see. And, and even Jonesy said when he came out, like, how good was that? Yep. Right behind me. Awesome. Um, so that's brilliant. Uh, Johan Kamerstad just snuck a uh, cheeky, cheeky little request into the title sponsor, the boss of the title sponsor, Emirates of the Australian Open. Just to see if he could get a bit of excess luggage on the flight yeah. home. So I don't know how it went down. But nonetheless, Johan Kummerstad isn't going to play, unfortunately, the ISPS Disabled Cup at the President's Cup this week. He's not in that uh, field. But a lot of the other players who will run down here are Curtis Barkley, as I mentioned, from Canada, was the unlucky player in the um, playoff. He finished with a three-putt on the 18th green uh, and has uh, finished up Second place here, Brendan Lawler didn't have an afternoon that he would have loved. He's twice now finishing the top three in the All Abilities Championship of Australia. Chad Pfeiffer impressed in his first trip to, down under. Mike Brown of England was fifth alongside Adam Wabi. Seventh was Kenny Bont to the United States. Came home really well. And then the first of the Australians, Shane Luke beat Stephen Pryor. Actually, they tied for eighth. Cameron Pollard tied for tenth alongside Daphne Van Houten. And as we mentioned yesterday... Jeff Nicholas of Sydney withdrew, unfortunately, with an injured leg. Uh, he's hoping to be right for the President's Cup battle at Royal Melbourne later this week. Clayton, you had something on your screen there that you in wanted Japan, to point Japan, well, I was a bit of a pumper for Rio Ishikawa getting a pick in the President's Cup. He mm -hmm. won twice earlier in the year. He won again today. Did he? This is the season beat, ender. He beat the unknown Australians. Would anyone... If Brad Kennedy walked into this tournament today, would anyone pick him in a lineup? <laughs> Clates, we had Brad Kennedy on the podcast three weeks oh. ago. He's a, he's a regular. We love See, him. But when was the last time? We, I mean, and I wouldn't play in Australia either if I was him. He makes a fortune in Japan, but lost a playoff to Rio Ishikawa today in Japan. He lost in a playoff. In a playoff. Tremendous. I mean, a fantastic player. See, Imahira was third there too. That was another guy that we were looking at potentially he was going for, to get picked. for yeah. a pick because. I think you, as I t spoke to you about it, Clates, with, um, with Hideki Matsuyama, a big part of our team. Well, I keep saying he our, needs the someone to play team. with him, right? He needs someone to play with, and no one else speaks Japanese. So mm. that's a, a big issue. We, he'll probably end up a bit with Sung Jae Im, potentially, because Sung Jae knows the bare basics of, of it from playing a few years on the Japan Tour as a youngster. But 
in saying that, Ernie told me this week that he's going to run with the data pairings that not everyone will expect, including the players themselves. There you go. So that's finished, Clayton. So just looking on your screen there, that's, that's done. Yep, that's done today. So Brad Kennedy's lost in a playoff. Um, Brendan Jones, uh, amazingly enough, just keeps on keeps Some on keeping machine on. up there, isn't yeah. it? He just pumps it Super out. Super famous in Japan, that bloke. Oh, he is tied fourth. Brendan Jones, uh, Anthony Quayle, the young Queenslander, tied fourteenth. Matt Griffin, nineteenth. Uh, it's a huge season for those four. We'll, we'll get Brad Kennedy on. He's a regular on this program. That's he's he's had I reckon now five top five finishes in his past six starts in Japan. Yeah. He has just roared home there. It's a huge season financially for him. He wanted to play here, Clades. He told us several times, but only if he he wanted to and he was going to because he could win the Australian Order of Merit on the PGA Tour. But he said he had to forego it because this is a big payday for him. He thought he could make a fair bit of change here before he retires in a couple of years. And he's done it today. That's a huge result. Yeah, only 30 players, no cut. It's hard to miss those tournaments. Yeah, even I could probably bring home a check there. I could probably find a way to blow it, though, I reckon. Sign your card, Ron. Maybe ask Benny Everill some advice coming up there in fairway. Get DQ'd. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's it for us here on Inside the Ropes. It's been a special week for us at the National Championship here at the Australian Golf Club. A huge thanks to Julian and Paul, all the boys at Croc, Coxie, who have made this happen. It's been a technical nightmare, and they've just overcome it beautifully. Huge thanks to them. We're going to back up and do it all again from the President's Cup at Royal Melbourne. We'll try and pump out as many podcasts as we can uh, live at the end of each day's play if we get the all clear to do it I'm sure that won't be a problem <laughs> even if we have to duck out into the car park and, and rip something up no we should be right and we've also had a chat to Mark Leishman which we'll try and get out on the podcast at some stage between now and Thursday when play resumes but other than that we'll speak to you again from Royal Melbourne uh, huge thanks everyone here at the Australian Clates Benny Everill Andy Marr the whole crew has bought you Australian Open Radio as well we hope you've enjoyed it all And we'll be back to yap into your ear again from Royal Melbourne in four days' time.